Hello, dreamers. Welcome back to the show. If this is your first time watching or listening, welcome. Thanks for stopping by. Hit subscribe on the YouTube channel. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at livingthedream506. Share it. Tell your friends about it. All that good stuff. Everything helps. So thanks, at the very least, for just being here. today is an incredible musician who can play just about anything you put in front of him. You may know him from The Lumineers, you may know him as The Barefoot Wanderer, or you may know him from his latest project, Heavy Gus. But I know him as the guy who was nice and understanding enough to join me for a second full interview after we lost the first. And for that, I'm extremely grateful. So without further ado, please welcome Mr. Stealth Alving. So, man. Right. Let's jump right back in. Let's start right now. Okay. So, I got Stealth Olving of the Lumineers and Heavy Gus. And let's get it right out of the way. Full disclosure for the listeners. This is the second time having him on the show because last week my system crashed and we lost everything. And yeah, over 100 episodes of this show, and this is the first time it's ever happened, first time we've ever lost an interview, so thank you so much for coming back. I, I really appreciate it. You're, you're no, no problem. No problem. So I don't know how we'll recreate the magic. We're just going to have to make some more magic. Right. So I won't keep you long. I, I appreciate it. I know you're on tour, um, but some of the highlights from when we talked the first time, I really want to touch on those because... The magic may not be there, but the stories are magic in themselves. So first things first, I would like you to just tell me a little bit about the new project because like we said, I love it. I'm a, I've always been a Lumineers fan, um, but Heavy Gust is more in my vein of genre. And like I told you, the song, Do We Have to Talk, is just such a, such a great, heavy, doom, grungy, rock riffs with amazing lyrics and that's just how i how i would describe heavy gusts in general so give me a taste of what you what you feel when you're playing heavy gusts oh thanks man yeah diving in uh thanks again for having me on the show thanks for uh being so kind that i was eager to come back thank you uh, so much wow yeah heavy gusts man we're we're freaking stoked um as you can see that i've been out i was up late yelling so Please nice. forgive my grog for deciding to do a 
an earlier meeting and then underestimating the party that would exist in Boston. So, so how'd that go? Tell me about that. Well, no, it's just as um, the show is real, real good. So then, you know, we're, we're raucous and shouting. Um, and so you can hear it in my voice. Um, but heavy gusts really need to work on my, my rock and roll voice, as you can see, because <laughs> now that I'm doing this more rock and roll project, it's sang by my wife, Dorota. Um, she's got a lovely voice party or not. And I'm, I'm playing guitar and our friend Ryan Dabrowski, who, uh, he's the drummer of a band blind pilot. They're based out of Astoria, Oregon, Portland as well. And, uh, he is drumming with us. So we kind of became a three piece on tour and all of us kind of being wrapped up in a folk world, um, really wanted to make a bit of a throwback, um, a throwback record in a sense with all this stuff that we really loved. Um, I love, I'm sure you saw the news today that like Kate Bush is trending in iTunes because she's got this song and, um, you know, and stranger things running up the hill uh, running up that hill. And that song is epic. Like sometimes I listen to arcade fire and I'm like, they really captured this essence of, uh, Kate Bush in these weird ways, the weird string arrangements. And I feel like no one will ever know it because no one uh, appreciates and respects Kate Bush. But I always wonder if you do with this album that, that has these uh, derivative references to the, to the past and the music that you loved, if it will ever come around and people go, wait a second, in like regards to Heavy Gus or something, this sounds like the Breeders or, you know, these guys listen to too much Pixies. Um, so not that they didn't get their heyday, but I feel like it's all, it all, it's all cyclical and uh, we're stoked to be making a, an original record that has tinges of just like nineties mud. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I, I love it because as you know, I, I came up listening to all that as well. And I, I would just love to get a taste of it live because as everybody knows, live is the way to hear the music, how it's intended. And when I saw the Lumineers, I found it so much different than the studio stuff, obviously. But I think a huge element of your music there is the audience itself, whether it's feeding off the energy or the audience singing along, like that becomes part of the, the music itself. And so when, when I see a musician that I love, do one thing and then they have a side project i love to see that switch of mindset and how how they want to see that style of music portrayed so i like i hope i do get the opportunity to see heavy gust for that reason because i do think that genre is more something that i prefer so i would love to see how you bring that to the stage sure 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 i also am eager to see how we do that <laughs> uh, we've only played a few shows um it's interesting to start out making a record. Uh, you know, we basically birthed the idea of the band. Lumineers were on tour. Um, Ryan, the drummer in Heavy Gus, uh, he dates, he's, he's, he's engaged to Lauren, the violinist in the Lumineers. And uh, so he's out sometimes in the same way. Dorota, my wife, 
uh, is out with the Lumineers and we're all just hanging out and going on adventures. We'll go to the aquarium during the day if we have some time off together or whatever. But on this day in Nashville, we hit up a buddy and we decide to go and uh, to just say, hey, can we come in and like record a track, just try a demo or something? And uh, in the essence of time, we asked um, our buddy Byron, uh, who's the bassist in the Lumineers, to come out and record just a live a live track. You know, that way we could kind of throw down a demo. And the live vibe was so fun and so easy that those are the tracks we ended up keeping, two of those tracks on the record that day, that we just went in that day and we're like, let's just record some stuff on a whim. And that's kind of what um, uh, started the, the album in general was us just going in and recording these two songs and realizing that there was actually some magic there between, between us. Um, but more so we kept, when we came back to Nashville during the pandemic at this point, um, we road tripped across the United States, afraid of airplanes. There was no AC in my van at the time. And it was like 105 going through Missouri. And we had a spray bottle that we were just constantly spraying ourselves down with, with the windows down, you know, like, drying out our skin, but cooling ourselves, cooling ourselves immensely. Um, and we called it the Mr. Master. Nice. Um, and it was a arrested development, uh, uh, Mr. Manager. Uh, so yeah, the <laughs> Mr. Manager, arrested development, but we finally make it to Nashville and, you know, we're, we're, it's hot, that hot as hell there. And we just wanted to, um, try to capture that same essence of those first two days. So we found a bass player there and we recorded um, all these live tracks with me on guitar, uh, this bass player, uh, Tyler um, Osmond, and this drummer, Ryan Dabrowski. And it was just the four of us. All this is coming around to say, when you make a live record and you capture that live magic in the studio, um, which was like the basis of all the songs. Then we come in and, you know, we're like, oh, you know what? We should add some, um, we should add some uh, extra guitar, or extra keys on this. Um, it makes it a lot easier to, to play some of these songs live when it was based in this live setting. Um, and it makes it easier to be like, I don't know, sometimes uh, with the Lumineers, who, uh, Jeremiah, who is a very musical genius and he's very methodical. He's, he's the drummer in the Lumineers. He will hyper-focus on a thing in the studio, getting it right in this way that I think is so key to the sound of their albums. And then when we bring that to the stage, we go, okay, how can we actually like, you know, make this very beautiful thing uh, playful and anthemic? You know, the, the riffs are there, the, the songs are there, but it is an adaptation in a sense of some of the songs as true as they want to do them to the live recordings. Um, inevitably, you know, you're trying to then make that reach uh, thousands of people. I mean, Gus, we're not uh, experiencing that difficulty so much yet because the songs are built uh, live. And I like that right now. I'm, I'm excited about that. So that, uh, not to compare the two so much, but that gives you an idea, I think, of, of where where we're coming from there's a few songs we're in the studio during the heavy gust sessions um we got super carried away we're like okay let's add some organ let's add some moog synth you know and uh now we're setting it up to play live and we're like huh we're really not a seven piece <laughs> <laughs> 
and how do you pick elements uh, to perform as a three piece on a song that has seven tracks, for example, um, or you know, seven, seven different instruments, which is only one one tune that's not out yet. Um, but a song like "Do We Have to Talk," uh, the bass is still uh, this thick guitar. The the um, duality of the two worlds of verse and chorus drums and uh and and Gerota's voice so but yeah bass guitar drums there's also a, a keyboard in there that we're trying to figure out how to um, incorporate So anyway, that's that's kind of what we're what we're exploring as we're as we're playing some heavy gun shows. So how did the first show go? Uh, you know, we were playing a show down in L.A. It was a showcase called It's a School Night um, that maybe I'm sure you've seen live videos from. And it was going to be their first live show back where they're going to have an audience. And then uh, COVID, you know, 
hits its fourth wave um, or whatever. And they were, they bailed um, and it became a, 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 a videotaped show. And so there was a bit of, uh, you know, want, want disappointment getting there and realizing we were just going to be playing to cameras and we could have done that from home. Right. It was a really lovely session and uh, we got good, good tapes out of it. But um, I think when we finally got to playing some shows, uh, they were going well. We were opening for a band called Magic Giants in Denver and Colorado Springs. And we played a show in Fort Collins, like kind of our first real show. And it went so well. We played the album through um, in its entirety, which is a quick like 30, 33 and a third minutes, actually, which I, I fixate on the <laughs> coincidence of it being as long as a record is fast. Um, but the, uh, there were moments during it where you were just like, we never thought how quickly uh, writing the emotion of playing some of the songs would affect us. We're playing like, heavy sludge and then a fun tune and then a bouncy kind of Dr. Dog inspired uh, playful song. And then we get to the song that's, you know, Dorota and I talking our way through a, uh, a made up breakup. <laughs> and I remember like looking at her and seeing her uh, like tearing up. And I was like, oh, this is heavy to have such a heavy song. I think I mentioned before, it's like got this line in it that's like, uh, it's called uh, Distant Thunder, but it says, um, you can take the house, I'll take the van. No one's surprised that you could be that man. Um, I'm a dog. I'm not a snake or a rat. With the lights turned out, I wait to be let out. Or with the lights turned down, I, like, I, le I wait to be let out. And it's just is like, oh man, we didn't really think about how hard this is going to be to sing these lines every night when we thought it was a good idea to write a, a song about like saying the worst sides of a relationship out loud to a crowd of people. Um, but it's nice to have a few soft songs on an album, an album full of um, goofy and sludgy bangers. <laughs> it's almost, it's nice to have the, uh, <clears throat> to have that emotion in the lyrics because it'll keep you present playing the songs over and over. It's like, it made me think of a comedian having to tell the same jokes night after night and trying sure. to, trying to like keep that same emotion and like still find the same thing funny where the audience is hearing it for the first time, <clears throat> but you're saying it for the thousandth time. Yeah it's all like, it's just a song and dance and it's just a performance. But if there's real emotion there, then each time is like playing it for the first time. So I, and I think that would translate to the audience as well. So I think that's, that's a, that's a good thing that Absolutely. you feel that way, which I, I love. I love meaningful lyrics. I love music that like brings that out of the performer and the audience. Sure. We'll let you know in a year and a half if, the, if we get, um, if it becomes mundane, but so far it, it, right. I, I completely agree with you. And, uh, it's interesting to start a project from the ground up after all of us are weathered musicians in our own right. Um, 
because in some ways you want to be like, well, this is how we do things in this band or whatever. And you can transfer that. And you already have these skills set aside that you forget that we've put in our 10,000 hours of standing on a stage, even though we don't feel like masters of our craft or maybe masters of an, in, an instrument specifically. Um, the time has been put in. But then actually when you get on stage with a new band, you're still trying to navigate. Um, no matter how much uh, our energy can all come second nature, you're still trying to navigate uh, how to present a new energy. Um, and that's actually really, I'm really excited about that process. Um, I think our, 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 our Denver show, it was like, um, and I told you this too, I can, I don't know if you want me to get into the detail. That was a great story. Hit me with it. Uh, but yeah, it was like our Denver show, you know, we had three great shows and there was just a sound snafu. And um, I think we all take for granted having uh, been in bands with sound people and the soundboard goes out and they have to switch it out. And they're like, look, we lost all our settings from sound check earlier. So we're just going to wing it through the show. And we're like, nice. Like you're a skilled, you know, tech, tech, sound tech. Um, and it was one of those shows where afterwards our friends came up and they're like, yo, we're so sorry about your show. And I'm like, that is so bad. <laughs> That's such a bad sign. And it was sold out. It was so many people. And there was no amount of like energy. I feel like it was just so transparent that like everything was feeding back. I think they were turning mics on that were like off stage. Um, it was like so rough and like apparent that like something bad had happened. And the crowd just was like, I don't know. Are we supposed to like, like, and I've heard mixes from it. And like her voice was just like somewhere else. It wasn't right. in the room. And I was like, this is fucking awful. <laughs> Um, so we, and it was like the night, it was the opening night of, um, the Rockies game. So outside of this Lodo venue was just the complete worst shit show side of humanity where like literally our baby was in our, like, um, yeah, literally. Okay. So our baby was in our, in our van, <laughs> which is all set up for like, um, while we were playing the show, we have a nanny come and, and it's, there's a bed in there and there's all, it's like, you know, um, adventure sprinter van. Uh, but He's looking out the window during sound check and there's people doing lines of cocaine off of the dumpster next to the van and smoking crack. And they like look over and they like cheers their little crack pipes at this baby. And I was like, Oh my God. And these two drunk ladies were like knocking on the door, asking if they could come in and drink some booze with us. And we're like, we're not drinking booze. Oh, uh, Dorota was breastfeeding at the time. And she's like, can we come in and have some drinks? And we're like, literally the only drink in here is breast milk. And she was like, I don't want your nasty titty milk. Um, and we're like, yeah, no shit lady. Um, and then we saw just, there was like a stream of pee running down the alley where people were standing and peeing next to the van. So we were like, this is something we didn't expect is like, we thought we had it all figured out nanny wise, timing wise, putting him down, hanging out like the venue seemed like the safe spot to, to be. And then you're like, Oh yeah. Outside in this alley is like, welcome to the worst sides of humanity to a one-year-old. And uh, so we are also trying to navigate that. But as I'm leaving the show, so discouraged after this, I'm carrying the box of merch and I like slip and I look down and it's like absolutely a human pile of shit. 
that I had slipped in where somebody shit in the dumpster uh, next to the dumpster. And I was so furious. And I look over and someone saw me slip. I didn't like land in it, but I like lost it. I look over and someone was rummaging through a person's pockets who was passed out with vomit all over their lap. And they were like, uh, you know, rolling them for their phone and their cash. And I was like, I want to say something, but I'm just done for the night. So it's fun to have those humbling shows too. You know, it's, it's not like we get to come off, get off scot-free just because we play to arenas in our other lives. <laughs> we also have to uh, step in proverbial and literal shit to yeah. make this climb. <laughs> yeah, that was my favorite story. I'm so glad you said it again. Oh, okay. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So lastly, I, I have been fortunate enough to see you play with the Lumineers and it was in 2012 or 13, I believe at Oceaga. And you did tell a story about Oceaga last time that I would love you to tell again, if you don't mind about. Oh yeah. So it's interesting. Cause I, again, I was thinking about who was playing that. I didn't look it up, but I think arcade fire was playing as well. Is that possible? Uh, no, not that year. Okay. Then I'm crazy. Never mind. But Mumf- Mumford and Sons was playing. Um, we were playing. The Lumineers uh, constantly get pitted against. I mean, there were articles that existed when we were first starting out, that, and 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 like journalists, like high-end journalists from say, um, you know, the Times or what. You know, people would be like, "So, what inspired you to like put a banjo in your band?" And we'd be like, "There's no fucking banjo in our band. Like, why do people keep saying this?" And people would like literally just be like, assume that the folk revival era just was all the same, and so despite the fact, especially to me and most fans of both songs, you know, to someone who likes neither of our bands, surely we sound similar. Um, but there's a big difference between the two bands, but we got pitted against each other quite a bit. And early on, it was more palpable because like there were like Grammy wins going head to head and uh, shit like that. So when we're finally doing the show again, 2013 or 14, um, Oshiaga, and they were headlining and we're playing like, you know, on the other stage before them or, or you know, before them in the night. Uh, I thought it was funny to, um, to like tweet at them. This is when I was allowed access to the Lumineers Twitter uh, and Instagram. I have since been, uh, you know, everyone's explicitly been told not to give me access to any of that stuff because I caused so much trouble. So, uh, but um, I, I, I tweeted, oh yeah, I tweeted, so I tweeted Mumford Sons. I'm like, hey, we heard about y'all's plan to start a food fight with us. Just letting you know, like, we're stocking up on eggs and, and cake or something. And uh, they're like, haha, like, we're not trying to start a food fight. <laughs> and then like their tour manager came over and they're like, hey, I don't know where this rumor came from, but we're like, we're not trying to start a food fight with you guys. And I'm like, we're on, we're on to you, um, which is a shitty, my shitty manipulative tactic to feel like we could legitimately start a food fight with Mumford and Sons. And it wouldn't seem like we were just, you know, it's like uh, oldest bully trick in the book. Um, but in my mind, we were still the underdogs. You know what I mean? Um, and so finally, um, the night is like getting closer and tensions are high and like, again, their manager comes to talk to our manager and they're like, I, I don't know where this idea came from. I don't know where the guys heard this idea, but 
I think like everything should be fine. They'd be like, stop. Do you know anything about this? I'm like, oh yeah, I guess I heard that they're going to. And so people are really like tense and like Mumford says did not show their faces at catering. Um, I was just going to wait for one of them to like grab an apple to eat and be like, oh, it's on. And then like, no, no, no. I'm just trying to eat an apple. I'm like, no, you're not. Um, That was my plan. Um, But then we get like an invite that was like, hey, guys, the band wants to have you guys over it, you know, at their trailer and just meet you guys and, and like humanize it, you know. And uh, for the most part, they're really sweet. And that really pulls the rug out of any um, semblance of competitiveness is just meeting people and, and talking. And that was the first time that we'd all met. We've, you know, uh, been in so many similar scenarios since then that we've been in the same room and, and met again and again. But that time in Oshiego, we met and they played a great set. I remember us playing a good set as well. And I think I was saying I like in my young and sprightly days where I'd go out and I climbed up the awnings to the soundboard and like was standing on top of the soundboard. Um, so there's a, there's a picture of it somewhere. So that's why I keep thinking of that, that show specifically of doing that. Um, and we did not in fact have a food fight for them. You know, I, I, I saw the, um, air in my ways and, we just had some, had some beers and, and cheers with them. And so it was actually a really sweet night. Um, the power of Canada compelled us to be uh, kind <laughs> people and not shithead Americans <laughs> and Brits. Beautiful. Thanks, Canada. <laughs> you saved the day once again. That's awesome. So heavy guess. Oh, you want to tell the name story real quick? Oh, how we got the name? Sure. Yeah. yeah, I, uh, you know, we, um, we went down the freaking rabbit hole of just so many, um, so many different band names. And, it, and it, I don't know if you've ever, I mean, we, we just had, had a kid recently and even that process was uh, so complicated, but we, we went through the band name process sooner that we were like, I'm not going to do this with kid names. Let's just pick this name and stick with it. It doesn't matter. We don't need to make a, Googleable child's name you know what I mean <laughs> right but with the band you're like oh we got to make sure that like there's not a product that it's named after that gets confused if you search it we got to make sure that there's not other bands in the same uh with the same name somewhere and so we kept using the name grub even like all the early mixes were called like you know grub mix to grub uh do we have to talk grub and then we look it up and there's like 10 grubs on spotify Every grub just kind of, remi- I, I was like, it reminds you of like a little worm and people would be like, oh, it reminds me of Grubhub. And I'd be like, shit, I'm not trying to like make people think of nachos. I want them to think of like um, Timon and Pumbaa, you know? And uh, so we finally make the sad decision that like Grub's not going to work. We don't want to have like 10 cease and desist lawsuits with every other metalhead band, you know, Grub out there. Um, so we are just constantly trying to come up with band names we come up with something put it on the group thread somebody's like ah you know there's this band camp band in uh in boston that's also called like sun slugger or whatever which we were into for a while or just all these uh different combinations of words that you think could exist because you just want something to be like original and i think the term is uh, a google trope um, if it can be Googled and it's the only thing that exists there. Um, I don't know if you're aware of 
rule 34 where anything you can think of already exists in porn form <laughs> um, on the internet. That's like a rule of the internet that if you can dream it, like it already exists in pornography form. I mean, you can be like Timon and Pumbaa homoerotic scene and it's already there. It already exists. Anything you think of. Um, and so even that I'm like, oh, man, I don't want to come up with something that like just turns over some porn results. Um, There's got to be a heavy Gus result. Well, this is what, <laughs> you know, we, this is what I'm saying. So we, we, uh, put that thought on the back burner and we're like, damn it. We really didn't think that one through, but every other, in every other sense, uh, heavy Gus is a, a Google trope. It can't be, it can't, there's no other band. There's no other, uh, domain. Look, we got the domain name for some reason. Someone else already had the Gmail name. I don't know who, maybe I'll write them and tell them, uh, that they're my worst enemy, but we, yeah, we finally found a name that, we kept saying, if it has the trifecta, if there's not a band on Spotify, if we can, uh, if there's not a Twitter, or there's not an Instagram, then we can do it. And then that was so hard to find something where all of those things weren't original. I mean, you know, again, 8 billion people coming up with names, uh, so many in English, even if, you know, that's not their first language, that it was really complicated. Um, so... Dorota saw a sign on the side of the road that said, um, uh, caution, uh, heavy gust. And then actually it was just like, no, heavy gust, um, is a pretty good, is a pretty solid band name in itself. So we stuck with it and there's no looking back. I love it. I love it, man. And just thank you so much again for doing this. Uh, Dude, thanks, Chris. The new album notions by heavy gust comes out august 5th yeah i'll be uh i'll be looking for it i've already heard it but i'm excited for everybody to hear it because it, it's incredible and i like i said it's right it's right up my alley so when i when i get the opportunity to talk to you i was just starstruck and grateful and to do it twice is just uh hitting the lottery for me man so again thank you so much and be safe on tour and have a great have a great tour and hopefully I'll see you sometime soon. Awesome. Thanks, Chris. Yeah.